Watch Podcast. And a very warm welcome to Behind Enemy Lines. Unlike it said on that thumbnail there, for any of you guys watching live, it's not number four, it's number five. We'll get that fixed in post-production. But it's strange to think we've done five of these, Ben, Like, because it's been quite a wee while since we've done one. For any newcomers among you, welcome along. This is the podcast for Norwich City and Ipswich Town fans. And we share it between my channel, the Hodgie the Hack channel, and the Benjamin Bloom Football Channel, but I'm sure Ben is a familiar face to many of you football fans out there. Ben, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, um, finding your timing of this show incredibly transparent. I think you've deliberately, deliberately yep. waited, and um, uh, for reasons that we'll no doubt discuss um, in a minute. No, very happy to, um, very happy to be back, and lots to talk about as ever with our two clubs. Indeed, Norwich City obviously are going to headline. So the, the format of these, the way that we do them, is whoever's at home, uh, so I'm obviously a Norwich fan, despite wearing red today for some reason. I am a Norwich fan, so we're at home this week, so we'll tackle everything around Norwich City first, and then we'll go on to talk about Ipswich uh, in the second half, maybe towards the end of the programme, depending on how much we've got to say about Norwich City. But if you are watching, you are there, then say hello in the comments, get your questions in for me and Ben. If you're listening back, um, on the on the podcast version that I'm putting out after the event, then please do let us know in the the comments after it, or send me a DM. Let me know what you think, any ideas and stuff for the show because we're all about evolving and moving forward here. But yes, Ben Norwich City have a new manager and they've won two games of football in the Premier League, <laughs> which it took quite a long while to do. But the old London buses comes in, wait ages for one, and then two come along at once. But I, I'd like to roll the clock back a bit. And I want to get your reaction because I think all the Norwich City fans know my general sort of thoughts on things and reaction to stuff because uh, I've been on so many platforms talking about it. But I'd like to get your take on it because the one thing that we can we can rely on from you when you're not grilling me is to give <laughs> a wee bit of a, a measured assessment. You're not one of these sort of drum-beating fans and that's what we try to do in this show is be, be firm but fair with each other. But I want to know what your initial reaction was when Daniel Farker was given the boot after picking up his first win in the Premier League in 21 goals. So, um, I went into that decision with kind of the mindset. Um, I was a big fan of um, Daniel Farker. I thought the um, the football that I saw in the championship was, I think he kind of raised the bar, him and Bielsa and Wilder in that season in 18-19. That was football yep. we hadn't really seen in the in the championship um, I agree. before, quite frankly. So I thought he was an excellent manager whose sides played brilliant football. Um, I agreed with what Norwich did as a club in terms of, you know, essentially sacrificing the... 1920 season to stabilize the the finances after the sort of surprise promotion. Um, part of the self-funded model, yeah. Stuart Weber had a brilliant quote on that. Did you hear it? Uh, well, it depends what one you're he pick said, out. He said, I'm fed up of people talking about the model. We spent the 11th most money in Europe this summer. So but that's that's actually an important point. Um so look, 
whether, whether I like him or not, and whether he played good football in the championship or not, is possibly not really relevant. So I I understood both arguments that I heard from Norwich supporters. Um, one side of it was be loyal to this guy. He's been a very good manager. And the other side was look at his Premier League record. It's not very good. And then then you're into the realms of crystal ball gazing, aren't you? Is is it going to get better under this guy or is it not? Um, when Mr. Webber came out um, briefing, it was after the big defeat, wasn't it, at Chelsea. I wondered, because there are two that types... Was, that was horrendous, by the way. I, I, I do Twitter spaces now as part of my content offering, and I started it with half an hour to go in that game because I thought this can't get any worse, and then it did. With a guy sent um, off and conceded did, more goals, just terrible. I, all I'll say is I did Leicester and Chelsea at the weekend. Chelsea are really good, but yeah, seven. They're going to win the league, I think. Yeah, I well, fancy them. It's going to be a good one actually this season, isn't it? But um, so when Mister Weber came out briefing, you wonder: is this? a vote of confidence or is this a vote of confidence? And it Indeed. turned out to kind of be the latter, didn't it? Of Weber kind of positioning um, sort of his ideas and everything ahead of the fact that he may have to make um, that decision. Um, I, I think I, would... I think there was two sides to that. So I, I think he was kind of trying to galvanise as well. And it's like, right, do you know what? I'm going to support you for one last go. Also gave him a chance to give some very positive messaging about Farka. Also, there's an element of slight hand with it. I think he's great. I think there's so much much media speak and spin, especially Mm -hmm. from sporting directors and executives. I think to hear one talk as frankly as he talks, I think um, as Norwich fans, you should be grateful. I think it's absolutely. I think it's really. I think it's really kind of kind of refreshing not to get media speak. how it's how it was done. I don't really have a view on. There's no there's no good way to to fire um, somebody. Essentially, it's not. It's just not a nice nice well, thing. It, it made sense though because everyone's like, oh, how can you fire them after the first game of the season? For me, it was the first time Norwich City had made sense in a little while because the, the whole sporting director thing was introduced to people and kind of predicated in the premise that the head coach is dispensable. The continuity at the football club comes from the sporting director. And it was the dithering that kind of swayed me. I thought after Chelsea, you should go. And then definitely after the Leeds game, well, after Chelsea, I was kind of thinking, right, he's got one game. Uh, And that was born out of loyalty. And I think it was the complete lack of football and identity in the Leeds game, uh, as well as the result. um, I'm quite up on Leeds and they, they weren't they weren't themselves and haven't been themselves. So it was uh, I. They I were good in that game. It was a championship game. Yeah, I saw bits of I saw bits of that game, and it, it very much looked like two sides where the least crap one was not going to lose. Essentially, wasn't it? Um, it wasn't exactly wasn't the great the greatest game ever. But look, I think um, if you were a Norwich fan looking back. You you would probably think this guy could potentially, depending on what Norwich do in the next ten years, be one of the most important figures in the club's history in terms of mm-hmm. where they could be had they not been promoted um, that season. Things could look very very different now, of course. But 
I do get the argument that maybe he'd had a, um, a, enough chances. And yeah, sometimes sometimes your eyes don't lie. And I can I can reimagine myself sat in that top tier covering Leeds v Norwich, being amazed by how Norwich played in 2019. Or I can look at, you know, Norwich capitulating over and over again in the Premier League and think, Okay. That's the thing. And and yeah. look, I think Weber's take on it was, I think he made the decision after the Leeds game. I think he did the sensible thing in allowing, or it could have been after the Chelsea game, but definitely after the Leeds game, there was no going back. And then going into the Brentford game, I think it was like, let's, let's let him guide us into the international break. And the best thing of all is that Daniel Farker got to leave with a win. He buried all that negativity. Uh, with the with the run and all of the rest of it, all of that negative rhetoric that was flying around, and he got to sign off with a win. He got to sign off with a Farka wave to the away fans at Brentford, and more importantly, from a footballing perspective, really, as Norwich City appointed their new manager with five points, they now have eight points mm. and another winnable game coming up at home to Wolves. I think they win that; they're right in the mix in terms of trying to stay up, and that's after. Very a very short time ago, looking detached, looking like they don't belong June, in the division. I, I always say bottom six is snail racing. Bottom six generally operate at one point per game or less. So let alone six mm-hmm. points. If any team in the bottom six scores four points in two games, it makes a difference, let alone six points. And I'm yeah. sure we talk about the new manager. I've done my... I've done my review. It's a it's a difficult one with the last two Norwich games. What you don't want as a Norwich fan is those two results to have been predicated on some kind of psychology type thing yeah. that's that's non-footballing and for the for the points per game line to go whoop and then straight back down again. Exactly so look, that. we don't learn a lot about Dean Smith, although it's fantastic that in and um, we talk about um Dean do, Smith do we need to learn about him though? Because we know Dean, we know Dean Smith, we know what he's capable of. And not, not with these players though. You you learn what he can do at Norwich over the course of you know three months. And it was a we do know about Dean Smith. Um, and I, you know, I've covered obviously covered him doing Brentford in the championship, saw a lot of his villa team in the championship as well. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, Villa and Norwich are two different beasts, and Dean Smith at Villa is different than Dean Smith at at Norwich. With you know, of course, we've done. All, we've all done managers evolve. All managers evolve and change, and some for the the better, some for the worse. But I think the key thing is, if you'd said to me that Norwich City would have even the chance, the opportunity to employ Dean Smith at any point this season, I would have seen it as an upgrade to Daniel Farca. I will admit to getting okay. blinded by the razzmatazz and the the glitter and glamour of a potential Frank Lampard appointment for about a day and a half. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> oh, I, I, I think both of them would, would have been decent hires. I think... Um, to, mm. uh, I think Lampard, based on his work at Derby, there would be question marks. And the big difference between the two of them is, I think Lampard, if you employ him, there's a question mark to whether Norwich City bounce back up if they do go down. Under Dean Smith, I have no doubts. Yeah, um, I mean, look, we can we can do we can do Lampard if you want. Um Yeah, what, let's do let's do a bit of Lampard V because well, I mean the managers I you've just, both seen. I just found that the now I found the narrative very strange 
because all I heard was um, from Norwich fans, frankly, was we don't want to we don't want to hire Frank Lampard just because he's big. Na- he's a big name. Mm-hmm. And yet I didn't hear one Norwich fan say we do want to hire Frank Lampard because he's a big name. I think I think there was a bit of an overcorrection on the narrative. I think everyone in that space seemed to be so keen not to be um, saying they wanted him because he's a big name. And the truth is, with Frank Lampard, it's it's not his fault. Well, it is his fault because he was a brilliantly dedicated professional and an incredible player. It's mm-hmm. not his fault that he's a star. Do you know what I mean? And that, that oh, shouldn't be not. the only aspect that, um, that you judge him on. Yes, um, Derby 18-19 is a bit of a weird one. What I would say... And Norwich fans know this better than most because they won the division. Mm-hmm. To finish sixth in that division, that was a hard championship. It really was. Norwich it was, was a, brilliant. It was a hard year. But Sheffield I think that, United. That were, team... uh, let me finish. Let me finish. Norwich Sorry. were brilliant. Sheffield United were brilliant. Leeds were brilliant and didn't go up because of that mental collapse. West Brom had Barnes, Gale, and Rodriguez. Aston Villa under Dean Smith spent more money than God and had Grealish, Abraham, and um, Mings as well um into their into their squad so he he did well to get to the playoff final in what i think other than the 14 15 season when you guys got promoted that that's the i think that's the hardest championship season to get promoted since 14 15 so i i think there's more under the hood than people give lampard credit for and i think to be honest i think there was a bit of disrespect to smith and Lampard in the in the chat. I kept hearing Smith called, you know, an underwhelming and an un, unambitious appointment. I was kind of quite cross about that because I, I sort of thought, well, you know, he's, he's he's not done badly wherever he's been, hasn't he? So anyway, I'll let you come back. No, that's fine. I, I think that I got blinded by the Lampard thing for a couple of days. I was really excited by the potential of a guy coming in that would bring eyes from all over the world onto Norwich City Football Club. Because someone in Indonesia that's a Premier League fan, but maybe not a fan of, of clubs like Norwich, will watch some Norwich games just to watch Frank Lampard. And, like the, and you're the open-minded they... enough, Stu, to see that mm-hmm. as a good thing. Absolutely. Exactly, yeah. yeah no, not, I mean, it's not just a bad thing, is it? It's a globalisation of the game is an inevitability. And with the Premier League being such a bloated fish, I was moaning about that in Football Joe last week. But you've got to play the ball as it comes to you, to <laughs> to use a, a nice footballing analogy there. And the, the thing is, in terms of the globalisation of the game, the globalisation of the Norwich City brand, then that's, that's something the club has to do to continue evolving. And it's where Norwich City could potentially get a leg up on other clubs like, say, Burnley, for example, if they do that properly and manage to manage to do that. Dean Smith, though, became available. Now, I think he could have turned it around at Aston Villa, by the way. I think he was just, he had a few bad results and it just became a run far too quickly. I think he was still trying to find ways to, to get some of the signings that came in in the summer. It's, Villa spent big to work. Too, the, the parallels with get Farker, time. the parallels with Farker are so similar aren't they, uh-huh. in terms... And we had this whole, can Smith do it without Grealish? Can Farker do it without Buendia? And they both lost that player at the, yes, at the start of the season. And both lost their jobs subsequently. And then both lost their jobs, trying to figure out, you know, trying to fill a Grealish hole with Bailey and Ings and Watkins and Buendia, funnily enough. And Farker trying to fill a 
Buendia hole with Jolis and uh, Rasicha and, you know, Gilmore. He didn't do that. He whoever. changed the you system. Know what I mean? He didn't fill a Buendia No, 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 hole. but you, you take the point. He's trying no, no, to no, fill, I get, I get to fill the, point, the void but... left by his best player, essentially. But it brings up an important point, which is Farka changed his system completely and changed the way that he was approaching games. And he lost his way, I think. I think he just became a bit overdaunted by the run, a, all of the negativity. And he that's lost a key distinction, Stu, because mm. um, I would say Smith changed his system, but he didn't lose his way. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Smith went to a three at the back and stuck two and Zabi between um, Mings and Konza and tried to... And uh, Stephen Gerrard will now... I mean, we think Stephen Gerrard's just going to play 4-3-3 and Wendell will play front right, but he's still got to square that circle of, uh, you know, Watkins, Ings, Bailey, Wendell, and get. In theory, shouldn't be a hard job, should it? Because they're all brilliant players. But you know, he's got to square that circle of how to how to fit that in. And you know, I'm excited to see what Gerard does because I think Gerard is. Someone that, I mean, Villa are already looking a bit more solid. I think they'll be really good in the counter-attack, which plays to the players that they've bought. So I think his system is going to suit that squad. But I don't know what the the statute of limitations is in terms of the level of attractiveness of it. And and what, because you know how there's, there's always that dichotomy in football where it's like, yeah, we want to progress. And then, yeah, we want to progress, but we want to do it in a nice progressive style as well. So it's like, where do you want? Yeah, exactly. So just win, but then eventually teams get a bit. So it's it's like when you're Stoke City and you eventually go, right, it's time to do something different than Tony mm. Pulis. And eventually that's always going to end up with you falling out of the division. Sometimes the manager hangs on and they end up falling out of the division anyway, such as Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. But there's... There's always going to be that point where it's like, right, yeah, well, we want to do this in a different kind of way now. I think mm-hmm. Gerard will get them up the league, whether he lasts long enough to to really develop a new sort of football and brand and style. Because I think Gerard has been very much indoctrinated with the principles of a Benitez Liverpool, and that is very much uh, about the the solidity and, and what you do off the ball and making sure you're solid and. I think the quality of players that Rafa Benitez had helped his Liverpool team be good rather <laughs> his, than... His best player was Stephen Gerrard for a start, wasn't it? Well, Gerrard made until, Alonso, Torres, yeah. and yeah. it was just... I mean, it was it was a wonderful team, but I think that was more on the basis of the individuals. But I think those principles have guided Gerrard. Now, back on to Dean Smith. I, I think the key thing for Norwich City is they're bringing in a manager who has proven himself at all levels of the game. And that, for me, is a big, big thing. I also think his football and philosophy's outlook in the game marries so, so well with us as a football club and what it, we try to does. do. Yeah, I, I would agree with with that point wholeheartedly because, um, what's his name, Rasmus down at, at Brentford was there when Dean Smith was there and very similar, you know. I mean, Norwich and Brentford are, are different, I think. Um, of course. Um, but they've done a lot of good work in similar manners in terms of, you know, the, the, way, that they've, the yeah. way that they've recruited, the way that they've modernised and um, used the sporting director well and um, accurately in terms of... Um, and really, you know, the the philosophy, because I, you know, I, I watched Brentford back in the day before, you know, they kind of managed to get Ben Rama 
and mm-hmm. Watkins, and they really had the players to do what they were doing. And it was very um, Farker 17-18, where you could see what he was trying to do, but it just wasn't quite working. And you kind of knew if they stuck at it once they got got the players. And I suppose that's what both Norwich and uh, Villa, Villa want now. You know, Norwich want to just get to 17th and move on from there. And Villa probably, um, where they finish 11th, probably want to get 10th, don't they? You know, and... Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Villa won top 10. And and I don't think they would achieve that this year with Dean Smith. Don't know if they will with Gerrard, but they're going in a different direction with it. Norwich City as well. The other thing is, I would have said that if we'd kept Daniel Farker in charge, regardless, we were going down this season. I now think we're in the fight to stay in the division, which we should be based on the summer recruitment. And I think that's probably one of the things that, that forced Stuart Weber's hand is he thought the squad of players is better than it's looking. So as well as the manager losing his weight, all of the other stuff that we've mentioned, it's uh, he, he's thinking. He was he, he used the phrase, we've not quite got the tank yet in terms of going to war without a gun analogy mm. um, when, he, when he was talking about the recruitment this season. So Weber feels that he's done his bit. And I think that the, the idea is, I think he's now getting a coach and... Important as well, and my last podcast, by the way, was all about this. It's not just Dean Smith. You're getting the guy that was the architect of the system that helped Claudio Ranieri's Leicester win the Premier League. And Craig Shakespeare. Nigel Pearson. (laughs) And Craig Shakespeare. So getting Shakespeare in, you're getting two for the price of one. But also quite contrasting men in terms of their approach, their demeanour, the way they go about things. Maybe their football and philosophy as well is slightly different. So you're getting you're getting both of those people coming into the club. And I mean, the, the game at the weekend, just to give a bit of reaction on that, Norwich City were poor in the first half. They were not good. They did not retain the ball well. They didn't press high enough. But what they did do is they threw themselves into blocks, into tackles, hung on a bit, showed a bit of that stuff that we've just had nothing of, of, like, just stick in there. You're under the cosh a bit, but stick in there. Got a goal back not long after going behind early, made sure to keep the Carroll Road crowd on side. And reg- I mean, to be honest, I think they would have been on side anyway because there's so much you, positive. You manage you always exactly. to get that, aren't you? Yeah. But, I mean, really got them back on side, right, full volume, right away after conceding the opener. And in the second half, the tactical changes at halftime were, I mean, you saw exactly what the guy was trying to do. Also, by throwing Billy Gilmore and Todd Cantwell in, I mean, all of the rhetoric and the build-up to the game was pretty much about them. He threw them both back in. Cantwell wasn't ready for more than the 45 minutes that he got. But By the way, it wasn't it was about a message. that, though. It exactly. Was, it was, it was, it symbolic, was messaging. It? it was clean, symbolic. Clean, clean slate. Every, everyone's back now, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly that. So you throw Todd Cantwell back in. He's now part of the mix, part of the group again. Also, the reaction from some people, uh, the, the players after the game, you can see that people are bought in. Even the likes of Yanulis, who didn't play any minutes, just bought into the philosophy, bought into the new manager. He's clearly both of them anyway, have had an impact on training, an impact on the group. There's positivity. There's and energy. Stuart, if I, if I can come in at that point, sometimes we sit here and we analyse statistics, we play out every probable scenario. Sometimes you just need a change. It, you just exactly. do. And it's that boring and that's not very um, detailed analysis. But no, it's sometimes... Right, 
yeah, sometimes players just need a change. And they're, you know, um, people who watch my channel know I get very fed up with the the statement new manager bounce because I, I think it's far more about players than it is about a new manager coming yeah, in. It's, it it's kind of new broom players regress to the mean, I think, more like it. But they're <laughs> the same players, aren't they, that maybe just in a different set of circumstances with a, you know, with a, with a new outlook, the same circumstances, but a new outlook and all the things you're saying, you know, and from what you're suggesting and from my analysis, a, a tight game and everyone trots this mm-hmm. cliche out three weeks ago that they would have lost. No, that's absolutely right. Would have lost that game. Absolutely would have lost that game, especially after conceding the early goal. The response wouldn't be there. I learned more in that first 15 minutes about what Norwich City were trying to do. And also, you become conditioned when you're the fan of the one football team to watching a style. And then it's almost like you don't realise the hallmarks of that style until it goes away. And I I had a lot of that with Daniel Farka. There was one ball Tim Crow played in the second half where it was like a total Farka kick out. It was just inviting the opposition to come and attack if it was intercepted. And at 2-1 up, I mean, that's what he's been asked to do by Farka for years, so you can't criticise him for doing that. But I'm pretty sure that'll be one of the things they'll highlight it's in the true. post-match what video and say, do you know what, Tim? Just kick that long. But, you know? but what, about the, what about the goal? When do you ever see Max Aarons go to the byline and hang a cross out? Exactly. No, that's <laughs> it. So the, the other thing is, yeah. in the first half you saw this, was it's not about the Farka ball, uh, talking about cliches you hate, right? It's not about the, like, let's pass it round the low block and then hope that, uh, I mean, because that's what it's been. It's been more hope than expectation that that some sort of gap emerges or that a mistake happens for the opposition. What they were doing in the first half is they were trying to get the ball forward quickly, almost to their detriment, I think, because they were so focused on that that um, imperative that, that I think they lost a bit of the kind of fluidity. But you're absolutely right. Putting crosses into the box is a great way to score a goal. It's great that Daniel Farker has his way of doing things. And when it works, 18-19, I don't think will ever be topped stylistically for Norwich City. It was swashbuckling genius, full of late goals and excitement in games. Attacking football played a beautiful way by a team that was superbly balanced in terms of the styles and characteristics of the players, who was right-footed, who was left-footed, all of that. Gorgeous. Right, but <laughs> in the Premier League, I think that just found its level. You would need in the Premier League to have a supremely gifted squad of players to be able to play Farka ball and well, and and a bit of time, which you just won't get. Exactly. Yeah. No, well, that's it. So by bringing Smith in, I think almost you're you're giving players who. <sighs> had been so sort of conditioned by the manager's philosophy to the point that it was almost inhibiting what they could do, what they can offer. Whereas now they have that clean slate to go out and just express themselves. And I think that's the other thing that I saw. I saw a team playing with freedom, particularly in that second half. They played with freedom. They played with panache. They played with a bit of belief. And the hunger was evident from the very first whistle. So, not that I think that the hunger really particularly lacked under Daniel Farka, especially given the results, but I think you can see there there is absolute an absolute difference in terms of players going out 
and knowing that they have a chance to stake a claim. And also these changes were bang on. Even giving Cholis a couple of minutes at the end, that's big for me because you're bringing in a Greek wonder kid and you just want them to know, look, you're part of this. You're part of this journey that we're going on. And that that's that, that's the big thing for me. Billy Gilmer got man of the match. I have been very much a guy who likes to talk about his ability and, and I'm a great believer in what he can bring to a football team. Wrote a piece for footballtransfers.com about how he can be an EPL star now because I truly believe that. I didn't actually think he was the man of the match. I thought Timu Puka was the man of the I've match. I've got James Ward-Prowse down here as the man of the match. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure what you're looking at. I'm going the Norwich City man of the match then. 117 touches, 92% pass accuracy, five key passes, 11 out of 14 accurate long balls. Uh, yeah. Um, is this is this Gilmore or Ward-Prowse? Oh, Ward, Ward-Prowse. Gilmore right, only so, has 32 touches. Right, so... That 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 says its own story for me. I don't think Billy was the man of the match. I think, if, from a Norwich City perspective, even I think Timu Puki was. It was a good sign that it was a team performance, and you could have picked out various players who could have been man of the match potentially. I think Rashidza was really good. Brandon Williams had a decent game. Uh, Kenny McLean, much maligned, I thought had a good game. But for me, the pick of the bunch was Puki because he just looked back to himself. He was running the channels, got a goal. Uh, and I think there's a lot that you could say about his performance. But uh, in match of the day, they picked him out as well. They were talking about Gilmore and what he can bring to the team. How much of a difference do you think he can make? And how much do you think he still has to prove? And in what ways to... Who, Gilmore? Yeah, Gilmore at Norwich um, City. Honestly, stop talking about him. <laughs> stop talking about the... all. I, what I would say about Gilmore is... Um, he is one of the, and I know um, our mutual friend Michael Bailey um, agrees with me on this, um, one of the most hyped players I've ever come across. And I feel a little bit sorry for the lad. It's like, let him play some games. Let him let him get on. I'm not having a pop at your article. I know you're a very passionate Scotsman and a um, Scotland fan no, as well. He's, he's, he's proved that with his performances in the international stage and he should have been getting more game time, which when it was I know, written, but, he still wasn't getting. But I feel... Um, and we did a very good um, interview, I would say, with um, with Alan Lee on Blue Monday, who played for Ipswich and Norwich, actually scored a goal yes. for Ipswich and Norwich in the same season when Norwich were relegated in 2000 and... You'll tell me that. Five? You'll tell me that. No, later than that, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was late, later than that. But anyway... Um, Carry on. Yeah, um, I just feel with, with someone like Gilmore... Um, just let the poor guy play some games, play some football, get in the team because it's just too much eyes on on one player um, for me. And yes, I know, okay, he's on loan from Chelsea and Chelsea are top of the league. And does he have a European Cup winner's medal? Did he get he one? He does. He also yeah, he's got, a European got man Cup of the match medal. against Liverpool, Man City, Everton. He's had man of the match awards against some big teams. That's where this hype comes from. So it's not just like this hype has come from the power of the Scottish press um, trying saying, to, trying to make him into does. something he's not. He's a guy that's played, I think it's about 30 first-team games, right? Exactly. He's got 10 international caps. He's 20 years old, so there's, so there's a lot of players have... He's just not long-term 20, but he's there's a lot of players have more experience at their age than he does as a professional. However, he's a player that's come through the ranks excelling in every age group, player of the tournament or revelation of the tournament as it was at the Toulon tournament. He's 
made a statement at every step started, of the way. Started 10 Premier League games in his career. Just let the the poor guy play some games. Do you know what I mean? But I think he's arrived from Chelsea. He's a player that's got something in his locker to unlock defences. That's where the hype is coming from. And that's where, at a club like Norwich City, that automatically elevates him to the status where he has to be one of the players that's performing and providing. And it's really nice to see him get that that recognition of the kind of man of the match awards, even if it is for me, as I say, I would have given it to Pookie. I think for the young man, it's important to get that recognition so that he can continue to push on. Do, but, do you do you not think he would much prefer just uh I know these players do this god awful fingers in their ears um mm-hmm. business when they score goals now. Do you All not that. think yeah exactly yeah um, do you not think? Yeah, that went well for the guy who did that this weekend, didn't it? For God's sake! Um, yeah, he, he needs to. He needs to. Do you know what he needs to do? He okay. needs to start playing I know. football. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Um, but I d- do you not think that um, someone like Gilmore just needs a run of games, no circus around him? And but we've mentioned going to be that scrutiny. That unfortunately, with Billy Gilmore, because, because he's excelled at every step he's taken in his career. Like First international league game. Hang on, hang on. First international start. Gets man of the match at Wembley don't, against don't, England. Don't care. Don't care. He's played 10, like, first, 10 first, Premier League games. It's, first just let him play some games. Yeah, He's yeah, done but, nothing in his career. Hang on. First major appearance for Chelsea. Bosses the game against Liverpool. Next game for Chelsea. Goes and gets man of the not, match against Everton. He's playing He's playing for Norwich. It doesn't, it no, doesn't no, matter no, what he's my done. Point is, no, so you asked a question. I'm answering it. He has excelled when he's done his first thing at every You're stage. You're repeating yourself. I know. But let no. him play some games now. He's played 10 Premier League, or started 10 Premier League games. I don't feel the chat and the constant Messiah thing. You've just had a player, Buendia, who, how many games did he play? Um, 100, 120 uh, for Norwich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Superb, all the time, delivered every single game. Max Ahrens, same, never gets injured, brilliant player. Pookie, scores. All the time, yep. even when you got relegated, eleven goals, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. These people deliver. Just give. That's all I'm saying is, I don't think the the hype is either helpful or necessary. And yeah, you can tell me about a man of the match award against Liverpool. No, but the reason I'm saying that is that that's other, where but... that hype comes from. The hype. Comes oh, I know from where it comes fight. from. Yeah, so I know exactly if... where it comes from. I'm, um, whether it whether it comes from um, a reasonable place. Or it's helpful or not are two entirely different things, and I just feel for the guy. He's got dribbled past, and you know we could show a lot of clips of him not being very good in midfield earlier in the season and getting dropped. Just leave him, let him play some games. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. I think as well, though, he's a he's a player that's got very high expectations of himself, and that uh, some people have the character where they can deal with that even at a young age. So it's in, it's going to be interesting to see what the the reaction is. But take Brandon Williams as another example. He's another loanee from a major club. Don't know if it's just a position based thing, but there's a lot less scrutiny on what he's doing. You know, and I, I agree with that. And a lot less <clears throat> hype around him. And a lot less hype around yeah. him. Whereas with Gilmore, there is expectation. He was one of the marquee signings of the summer, even as even as a loanee. And he's someone that nobody else can do what he does at Norwich City, especially after Buendia's left. And we've spoken about this before. I think they replaced Buendia by committee, different aspects of his game with different players. 
that's where the hype around Gilmore comes from. And I think now he's going to be a mainstay in the team. Exactly. Let it let it roll out now. Let it happen. But I mean, another side of that is right. If he's as good as you say he is, in two months when we do this, we'll be talking, and I will say to you, look at Gilmore now. He's just been left to play some games, and there's not all this. Chitter, chatter, chitter, man of the match, next big thing nonsense. It will make people talk about him. And I mean, hopefully it's in a positive way because unfortunately, regardless of anything, that scrutiny is there. And that's that's going to be something that he was picked out in match of the day. The People are looking at what he's doing. Exactly right. Whether whether he's the person to pick out or not, he's going to get picked out. Positively or negatively. Exactly. And that's, that's the key thing. So hopefully, I mean, I hope from both an international and a club perspective that it goes well. But this is a great platform for him now. And the key thing is with him, and you can put Todd Cantwell in this bracket, you can put Christos Scholas in this bracket, Milo Rashica is a wee bit older, but he's a new player as well. All of these attacking kind of more flamboyant players that Norwich City have brought in now ha- are going to have a system, they're going to have a manager, they're going to have a football club where they can go out and they can express themselves, they can do what they do and do it with a bit of confidence. They can express themselves, they can have a bit of fun. Obviously, there's pressure to deliver results, of course there is, to try and stay in the division, but they can go out and they can have a bit of fun and they can play in a way that allows them to show their virtue, show their ability in the best way possible. And that's all down to having someone in charge that will allow them to do that. So it's a positive step. Norwich City have taken a good few strides forward since we won the game at Brentford. And that's just by appointing the manager, by giving everyone a clean slate, and by having a dressing room of people that believe they can stay up again. I think you agree. I, I don't know what I don't know what to come back with. All, all I'd say it, it was a it was a it was a long soliloquy that um I didn't that didn't particularly um have a comeback to. But all I would say is um and I'll say the same about Dean Smith about um as I just did about Billy Gilmore. Obviously, it's very easy to say we'll know in the fullness of time. I don't want to rain on your straw uh, pee on your strawberries or rain on your parade. You do get you know a home game first manager you know, first game as the manager, et cetera, et cetera. You, do, you did get a little uplift and potentially everything you say could happen and mm-hmm. it could be fantastic and it could be a really, really lovely um, sort of step up, like you say. Potentially it, it might not be, but um, you'll, you'll find out over the fullness of time whether it's the, whether it's indeed the, you know, the right appointment. And I, Again, not wishing to rain on your parade. I wouldn't get carried away <laughs> on the two wins. Let's see what pans out now over over oh, five, definitely. five, ten, five, ten games. Definitely. And remember, um, oh, who was it? I think Chris Wilder um, said, no, was it was it Big Sam? Anyway, one of the managers who was in the Premier League said, the thing you have to do is you have to be able to, you know, react to losing four games in a row because you just will if you play Man City, Chelsea, whoever, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, you will lose games. And it's about having that long-term continuity where you don't go, 
nine without a win and then win two in a row. It's about, right, picking up points in games where you're in the game and where it's viable that you can, um, you know, can get something. If that's not being... Not being no, too no, no. I'm just trying to temper your enthusiasm it. a little bit. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm, I think I'm enthusiastic, but I recognise it's still going to be... I did see when I was asked about... Dean Smith being able to keep Norwich City in the division. I said, yes, he can, but it will be one of the best achievements of his managerial career if he does so. And that's been a pretty good management career up to this point. So, yeah, I, I mean, I recognise the. I'd go the one step further. I think it'd be. I think it'd be the best achievement of his career. I think it probably. Would I think as it well. would. Um, I know he had Walsall in third. I think when he left, but that was only November. Um, and Brentford, as much as he's a key part of their development, I think it was ninth and eighth, um, sort of thereabouts, and they were good. Mm-hmm. Obviously, getting Villa promoted was was great, but when you have Grealish, Abraham, Mings, true, but I mean, the, cetera, there was also know. a real acute pressure there, given the yes, financial yeah. situation at the football club, that, the yeah. fact he had all of that that armory that he could he could pick from. If you don't get promoted with that, then failure. it's proper failure, proper yeah, egg in yeah. the face. So I think that that's it's a different I mean, type of expectation. You can, you can kind of, it? yeah, it's a different type of challenge. But yeah, I, I think I'm up there with it's between those two things as to what yeah. the, the best achievement. Well, and finishing finishing halfway up last season, but everyone doesn't really know. We'll find out in about 15 years' time about this COVID empty stadium season and. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to look back at patterns and see what the clubs that dropped off, what the pattern is, and what the clubs that did well in the empty, empty stadium season is. So, talking of which, actually, there was a one of the more fascinating aspects of his reign at Aston Villa was the difference between his team that looked like it was going to fall out of the division pre um, shutdown, and then when they came back and were absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and that's due to the kind of work he did tactically during that time. There was a really interesting few articles that I read about that, and I, I found it quite... I, that was one of the things that really had me excited when I'm coming in, was looking at a manager that uses that downtime, you might call it, so productively and works so hard. It's clear there's a hunger there. And the, do you know the thing is, Ben? Key thing, and this will be my, my last point on Norwich before we move on to Ipswich to finish up, is regardless of whether we go out the division this year, we're going to come back and we're going to come back with a vengeance under Dean Smith. That, for me, is unquestionable. And that's why the football club is in a much better place. Because, I mean, hypothetically, if you fall out the league with Daniel Farker, anything less than winning the league is... Is failure, oh, you know, and I think 95, to, 95 points needed, yeah, exactly. So, but the other thing is, I think Farker wouldn't achieve that again just because of that. What we were talking about, fresh voice and different ideas and all of that kind of stuff. Anyway, we have about 15 minutes left because we're going to keep this to around an hour. So, let's who's, who's talk. Peter, someone's asking there, he doesn't want to become a Peter Marinello. Who's Peter Marinello? Is that Ooh. an ex ex Norwich player I've never heard of? Anyway, you um, set up Ipswich and I'll Google him. Should say, uh, you Google that. I should say, um, you were asking about Alan Lee earlier on. The answer to your question was it was 2009 that Thank you scored you. the goal you're talking about. However, I became a Norwich fan the season after I was the club commentator. So there's a statute of limitations, which is a phrase I've used earlier in the pod in terms of what I know about Norwich City and when. And um, yeah. That's a great I'm, I'm show, not... actually. Sorry, by Poker Market. I'm on Peter Marinello's 
uh, Wikipedia, Scottish footballer dubbed the next George Best, huge transfer to Arsenal. Wow. For a hundred grand. And then down down like that. Great, great shout. Peter Marinello. I like it. You... I like it. I'm going to need to Google that now that I know it's Scottish. Sounds that's... like he was a player, though. Mm. <laughs> or he was um, when he was young. Got, got some good comments in, um, earlier on just in some of the topics we were talking about just before we wrap up Norwich. Susanna George says, um, regarding the managerial change, Weber was in an impossible position. If he stood by Farker's management, then eyes turned to recruitment, which <laughs> is his remit. So, yeah, yeah you You've can see why look after yourself, that. haven't you? Yeah. And BD says, Billy's a player that excels in possession and will be class at a dominant team like Chelsea. Always will. But that's what his loan at Norwich is about, how he copes with the struggle, which I think is a really, really mm. well put. And yeah, I, that, I do yeah. know that against the ball is the, the area of his game that, that club insiders are looking to, to try and develop. Um, and Ed Ivan says, Dean Smith will lift Norwich City's profile on the pitch. So, yeah, let's hope he does. I think he already has to an extent. But yes, Ibswich Town, who, first thing I would say, um, <laughs> and obviously Norwich City at home, so we can get away with saying stuff like this, Um not, not to suggest that there's anything... Uh, I mean, they say the devil makes work for idle thumbs. You have six wins, six draws, yeah, and the six number of the beasts. Yes. Yeah. The number of the beast. Is there anything to be read into that, do you think? I mean, is there, is there um, any satanic that, work going on? Well, there's something satanic about tomorrow night because it's your mate, Warney, and um, Rotherham at home, which is a horrible game at, at League One. Um, oh, level, mate. So. Rotherham's horrible all the time. I've been there once, right? And it was a game where I think Nelson Oliveira gets sent off for petulance, which we've seen before. <laughs> um, sounds like Nelson Oliveira. <laughs> and Norwich City lost the game against the Rotherham team that were really, really poor that season. Uh, I think it was Jerry Yates' first game now at, now at Black. Pool. Player, yeah, good players, Joe. Yeah, and I have never experienced a tannoy in a football stadium as loud <laughs> as that. Honestly, they played ba ba banana, right? Start spreading the new like. Oh, it's I'm the New York like Stadium, right? Yeah. It's the New York Stadium, right? And <laughs> I did not want to be a part of it, man. I was like that, right? Get me out of here. I am not a celebrity, but get me the hell out of this place. Trying to broadcast over that, but yes, Ipswich Town. It's been slow, man. It's been a lot slower than I thought it was going to be. Oh, by the way, are you wearing a Ron Swanson top? I've just clocked him. Yeah, Fantastic Parks and, work. Parks and Recreation fan. I'm very much yeah. well, more, more a Ron Swanson fan, mate. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, back to business. It's been a lot slower than, than we thought it was going to be. I think we, with the Ipswich recruitment in the summer, with Paul Cook as well, I just, I didn't think it was going to take this long for all of the pieces to come together. And there is an element of, I mean, you get wins against uh, Wickham. What was the other big win you had? Uh, Doncaster. Yeah. So you've had some good wins. High scoring one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And Portsmouth. That was the game that I commentated. Um, I, uh, which by the way, I should say whenever I commentate, very much neutral. Um, but yeah, you won four 0 at Fratton Park. The bombastic performance against uh, a toiling Portsmouth team, albeit. But I think after making a bit of progress, then it's kind of gone backwards a wee bit again, and it just seems to be fits and starts, and just not quite happening consistently enough for Ipswich. What would you put that down to so far? Um, I think it's a bit simpler in terms of the direction of travel than you've made it. I think okay. I think possibly last time we spoke, there's 
there there seems to have been a sort of key turning point, which was the 5-2 hammering at home to Bolton. And honestly, it's been pretty good uh, since then. The team's been pretty consistent. It's interesting talking about playing off the cuff as opposed to rehearsed moves. And um, we had this conversation on Blue Monday yesterday. Mm-hmm. Ipswich are very much, obviously, they're streets behind Norwich in terms of pattern of play, but very much working towards, you know, actual patterns and what Paul Cook wants. He's just starting to see it come through now. Um, so the results have been much, much better. The problem is when you have a start so bad, you leave yourself very, very little margin yeah. for error. And then you get a team like Oxford, who are a good side, come to Portman Road, who haven't had a terrible start and say, OK, we'll take a point and we think we can beat you at, beat you at our place. And, you know, you go to Plymouth and lose and all of a sudden that impacts in Plymouth obviously with top of the league at that time as well um and then it was defeat at um Sunderland not all of those results were in a were in a row um, no, no. But the, the problem is is that this will sound stupid because it's basic maths but the bad start seems to magnify every defeat now because you know instead of being fifth sixth or seventh and you can see those playoff positions down sort of lower in, um, where are we now? We're, we're 11th. So every single defeat is kind of feels a bit more, a bit more damaging. The, the team, I think, are headed in the right direction. And I'll, I'll trot out a Benjamin Bloomism that I use on my channel a lot, as in, I didn't refer to myself in the third person then, I promise. Um, as in, take, so the, that, but <laughs> take the last... If you put ism on the end, it's okay. But ism on the end of everything, apparently it's okay. Anyway, it's <laughs> anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, take the last 10 games, roll them out over the next 10 games, and things are looking are looking good. But, yeah, they're, they're paying for the sins of a of a very poor start, I'm afraid, Stu. Aye, I think that is the, the, the problem. And particularly in a league that is crammed with so many teams that, let's be honest, should be better than they are, and then other teams who are performing probably better there, than the sum of their parts. There is no should be better than they are in League One. League One makes fools of teams that should be better than they are. That's it. How many years has Sunderland been there now? Is it four or five or something? Um, so they went down in 1718, didn't they? There yeah, you go. um, went straight through. Um, so yeah, 18, 19, 19 20. Yeah, this is their fourth fourth season that's, down there. That's and madness, isn't it? I think most fans of both Ipswich and Norwich would suggest in terms of fan base and some historic stuff, we might even put Sunderland higher than both our clubs, and yet they're down languishing in in um in League One. But yeah, it's a it's very different to the um to the championship. We were discussing this again last night on Blue Monday. Um just in terms of that that physicality and teams that um, and Norwich fans will laugh when they hear these names, but Cheltenham, Cambridge, um, Morecambe, they'll, they'll beat. They, it's it, you don't just turn up it's and tough, win. Atkinson Stanley are a ridiculously oh, good team horrible, for squad. Horrible, and believe me, but like really, at, really good at what they do. Oh, well, and I mean horrible in the nicest possible way, yeah. in that they're a good side. And Bishop and Charles up front. Are really like I, I love that. I just think it's such an old school strike yeah, yeah, partnership. Yeah. Great and stuff. um and Wickham 
as well. Wickham are the masters at it. And let's be, let's be fair, Rotherham, Rotherham do it with better players than perhaps um, Wickham have got. But there's there's a lot of teams where if you are Sunderland or Pompey or Ipswich or Oxford or whoever, and you you know you've got ideas above your station and you want to play your nice football, they'll mm-hmm. just they'll just beat you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So um, yeah, it's a it, it's a very very tough league. And now what we get as well because of the um, ludicrous sort of financial situation in the championship with. Um, well, we've gone into it a million times. We won't go into it again. You're getting teams that are now willing to spend the money uh, a level lower down because the, um, you know, the kind of, the, the, the and this probably applies to Ipswich, you know, it's more sensible for Ipswich to spend in League One than it is in the Championship because the, the sort of rulings are a, a little bit looser, um, let's just say, and you can uh, leverage your, your club size respectively a little bit more down there. Whereas, in the um in the championship, you either have the parachute payment or you don't, and it's very very hard one way or the other um to compete against that. Yeah, that's the key thing, mate. And I, I did just have a look at the table again. There, Plymouth Argyle leading the way, and I don't think anyone would have predicted that this. No, finished eighteenth last season <laughs> at the at the start of the season. That tells you everything you need to know about League One and its current guys, but. You're only 12 points off the summit. That's the other way to look at it, which over the course of what's left in the League One campaign is not an insurmountable number of points. You well, know? And I, I think as well, Stu, and um, you know, you and I are ones for always making projections. I can foresee a squidgy top, even top nine or ten, yeah, where the points total of positions one to four is maybe not maybe not even 90 points. Do you know what I mean? Then mm-hmm. I think there'll be a gap. So I think you'll get, and I think someone will get promoted without scoring 90 points, but I also think someone might miss the playoffs on a reasonably high total. A reasonably I think, good total. Yeah, I think Who it might Who do you be, see potentially stretching themselves clear then in that, that group that you speak um, of? Well, look, if Sunderland get it right, as you've alluded to... Off they go into the distance, but yep, streaky Lee Johnson and you know I'm not sure I believe in him. By the way, yeah, I, I, I'm not many sure people. About him. Many people agree with you, um, Stu. Uh, Wickham and Rotherham, obviously with Gareth Ainsworth and Paul Warren, um, would are, love would love Ainsworth to get another crack at the championship with fans. That yeah. would be great. Yeah, that might yeah that might make a difference, um, mightn't it? Um, MK, as your old boy Russ Martin set up, play some really nice football, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, big and, and clubs the... I didn't mention. Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> in Mate, seventh. That's that league this season. I know. In seventh place. Well, look, are we getting Derby as well next season, probably as as well. I'm assuming Ipswich will still be there, aren't I? So, league One <laughs> are getting Derby um, next season. But do you know what? I think Plymouth might have enough in the tank to certainly stay in the race. Um, and then Wigan, with Paul Cook's old assistant, Liam Richardson. Liam Richardson. I know you're quite well connected at Wigan, but they're ones that have ploughed some money into salaries as well. And, Absolutely you know, when you've got James McLean and Charlie White playing for you in um, League One, you you know, you, you've got a couple of high-end um, high end players there as well. So, um, look, you could probably take those teams, write them all down on beer mats, sit in the pub and move them into, do you know what I mean? Move them into 20 different top tens that could could realistically happen. Obviously, um, it 
honestly, you talk about the summit. I think if you gave if you gave 99% of Ipswich fans sixth place now the and we're at game 45, confirmed sixth place, I think everyone would take that. And I know would we're rubbish in the, the case, playoffs. But... Would that have Sorry, been the case on. at the start of the season? No, no. No. But, no but I think I, I, I was expecting top two. I just thought with Paul Cook and that squad. I thought top, I thought it would be... top four, um, given the squad. Um, but as um, as Paul Cook keeps saying in his lovely gravelly voice, just keep going, just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> just keep going, just keep going. But um, yeah, um, I think given the bad start and given that sense of competition you've mentioned and that... Look, don't get me wrong, Stu. We could, we could sit here in February and someone's gone and streaked away. You, you, you know, like like Norwich did in eighteen nineteen. Someone just goes on a run mm-hmm. where they just don't lose for three months. Do you know what I mean? That that could happen. Um, I'd take so, that in the Premier League, mate. Um, can I take <laughs> a couple of those questions? I, um, I'm just about to fire them yeah. your way, mate. I want to start with Ed. We'll, we'll finish. Yeah, with that's that's question. But let's um, let's start with Ed since we're on yeah, it. Switch. He's asking question. if you're happy with how they're playing. And I'm going to interpret that as stylistically. Are you happy no, with how they're? No, that's looking? why it's a good question because I am happy with the way that they're, the way that they're playing. They look far more rehearsed and tuned up than they were under Mr. Lambert um, mm-hmm. and under Mr. Mr. Hurst as well. And there's an excitement about what he's trying to do. He wants that, and it sounds so simple. I quote Joe Royal: "Pass forward, run forward." But we just haven't, you know, fullbacks. Get up the pitch, take a first touch, switch the play, get up, mm-hmm. get outside, get the inside forward, inside and attack, quick counter-attacks. And you've seen Wigan under Paul Cook do that in the in the championship. So I am it's a happy great effect. With, yeah. I am happy with the way that they're playing. Am I happy with um 11th or wherever we are in the league with that squad? No, but um I'll I'll judge that later on in the season, and again I'll reference the the bad start. But I am I am happy with the intention of what he's trying to do. And as Ipswich fans, we can't sit and moan about styles of play and lack of patterns under Paul Lambert, and then when we get one, not have the patience to to see it through. And I'll quote the comparison between your seventeen eighteen season, your eighteen nineteen season, um, and if if you believe Madison equals out Wendia. Something clicked in the pattern of play, didn't it? I think so. Uh, I think Norwich were lucky to have Madison when they did because I think it would have been a, a lot more troubling as a season and you'd be looking behind you at the trap door mm. had it not been for James Madison that year. But something magic happened in eighteen nineteen because they weren't very good for the first few games. Then they get beat but by But they were Leeds. still... I, I saw Norwich a few times through that whole period. They tried to do the same thing the whole time through. And that was they it. just got they got very good at it in September 2018, didn't they? And um, it would me it was magic, uh, honestly, yeah. honestly a magical season. Josh has some thoughts uh, on Ipswich. He says he doesn't see promotion for you guys anymore. He knows it's early, but he doesn't see it working out with Cook. Unfortunately, in terms of the long term prognosis with Cook, do you think do you think he's he's going to be the right man for the long term? It's hard What's to say, um, and this will be a very word salad answer but I don't know how the contracts of the very good players at League One level we've signed are structured so I don't know whether they've uh, they gone... become firemen in the third year then I as well. <laughs> right there you go I don't know whether they've gone Hail Mary on this season um in terms of 
of Cook, and um, hmm. I, I like him. I love I love his energy. I like the way um, I like the way his teams played. I you know um, look for God's sake, we've we've had Paul Lambert grumping his way through. It's just great to have an up tempo um, Paul Cook. Josh um, Josh may be right um, that it might not work out long term, um, but having seen what I saw at Wickham. If they can hit that ceiling, mm-hmm. um, then you can look at the summit again. Because if that football's that we saw Coventry uh, in the last couple of seasons kind of play really nice football, and if you do it well and you mm-hmm. have the, I was going to say robustivity, then you have the robustness. <laughs> <laughs> you have the robustness to stand up to Cheltenham and Rotherham. Adism, Ro- robustivityism. If you add yeah. them, things work. Isation. Anti-robustivityisationism. There you go. Um, you, you'll you will go above everybody else. You know, it's um it's competence in in League One that's the thing. If you can add add flamboyance and good attacking pattern to play to competence, you'll be way above everyone else. But they've 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 not got long to do it. And as we've discussed, you're trying to make that step during a season. And as Mick McCarthy would say, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Yeah. It's it's hard to do. It's hard and. Um, yes, I do know every other League One fan would look at our squad and go, yeah, we'd like a few of those players on our bench. I bet they would. Um, I think, how one one for me, how good's Macaulay Bond been? Oh, d- tremendous, yeah. He's, um, he's only scored, I think, one in his last um, six, but I, th- I think I'm right with that number. Someone correct me in the chat if I'm... If I'm wrong, but yeah, he's been he's been really good, and I think the thing about him is um, everyone buys into the fact that he's from Ipswich as well, yeah. and I'm not sure um, what his agent will think of him coming out and saying after the Sunderland game he'd be annoyed if QPR recalled him because I'm sure his agent was going to spend December trying to get him a new contract or a transfer somewhere. But um, maybe you can fill me in on who his agent is after we've stopped. Recording, I but. think I think it's going to be interesting to see what his future holds because I think he's one of those players that's kind of he's always been on the periphery or the precipice of of something kind of big, you yeah. know, and it's just never quite happened when he's had those kind of sort of fledgling opportunities. But I, I definitely think he's a championship quality player at minimum. The the thing about Ipswich as well is if you can manage it and be a big fish in a small pond in that town, you can you, you know you can really, really thrive, especially being um, from the beautiful Chantry estate where I went to sick form. Good stuff. Um, Paul Woodrow says he thinks it will clip, uh, click, rather, easy for me to say. He thinks it will click for Ipswich soon, and unfortunately, they will start to win the league. Showing your colours there, Paul. Good man. Um, I want to pick up one of the other questions, just to finish on both teams. And I think we'll both have a bite at this, but I'll, I'll throw it at you first. Ben, and that's Chaz Tats. He says, heads and hearts, where do both teams finish this season? And I've only got heart in, uh, <laughs> in one of these questions. You do have a lot of heart. I'll give you that, Stu. In the, <laughs> in the face of my abuse every fortnight me, or me, heart, heart disease or the Scottish diet. Um, <laughs> I, uh, if I'd have said that about the Scots, you'd have buried me. Ah, of course I would. Um, and I'll bury you next time you, you, you have a go at Billy Gilmore. That's, that's certain. I'm, I was having a go at Billy Gilmore. I was having a go at you. Uh, well, no me. I'm just talking about what everybody else is talking about, mate. Um, heads and hearts, where do both teams finish this season? Heads says Norwich City are... Oh, sorry, Heart says Norwich City are staying up. Absolutely now. Um, even Can I push heart, back? Can I push back? Hmm. Give me your three they finish above. 
Uh, Watford, Brentford, and I think Leeds if they lose Rafinha in January. Oh, that's a shout. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. Clip that bit out and make that the headline. Leads to go down. Yeah, leads to go. I've said I've got a bet on in one of my Twitter spaces with NCFC numbers. He says Leeds won't go down. I think Leeds lose Rafinha in January, and loads of teams are after him. Then I think I think Leeds Interesting. fall out. Um, the wee man I'm, I'm, in the bucket. I'm still I'm still gooey eyed over Bielsa after that season. We were talking about Wilder, Farker, and Bielsa all playing that beautiful football in the same season. But gorgeous. Really, really nice. Really nice championship season, that. But yes, um, heads and hearts, Chance Stats is asking, where do both teams finish this season? Even my heart was saying that Daniel Farker would get relegated by the end. Uh, But I think heart definitely says Norwich City can stay up. And head says it's a possibility as well. Probably slightly less than 50-50 that we will. Ipswich will be a playoff team. That's my answer to the various aspects of that question. How about you, mate? Throwing it your way. Head and heart with Ipswich and then head with Norwich City. Obviously, the the heart with Ipswich, which you should um, always follow in love but never in football, um, says that we'll we'll get into the playoffs and then probably lose the playoff semi-final. They'll bring back the away goals rule just for that one and um, we'll lose on away goals or something. The head... Fantastic. I look forward to it. <laughs> you probably be commentating on it, won't you? Um, the head... <laughs> says, I don't want to give a fudgy answer, but I don't see, it's between like fifth and eighth, I think. I have a horrible feeling they'll finish the season with a with a very good run, but what, um, either way, whether that determines they're going up into the top four or chasing the playoffs, I don't know. It's They've not left themselves a lot of margin for error. In terms of Norwich, um, I... And I, I I look at it a different way. And maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. And Norwich will get to a point per game. And then you, know, you don't have to look at other teams. But it's a race, isn't it? Um, as as Muse said in that strange Olympic song that um, that they did, Stu. I know you like Muse. Um, survival, mate. Brilliant song. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think you've possibly picked out, you know, Brentford, the, the trend is is down at the, at, at the moment. So where, the, obviously... They've got goal scorer in um, in mm-hmm. Tony, and they've got a very solid system. So whether they can trend back, I think the conceived wisdom says that Newcastle improve after um, after they buy every player. After they buy Dom, yeah. Dom Solanke for fifty million quid, yeah. Um, but you never know; that could be an absolute disaster at Newcastle, couldn't it? And they could go. That just, would be the best thing to happen in football in a while. I hate to say it and um, really love Newcastle from when I was at school in Keegan. Be great for my championship YouTube channel as well. Oh, mate, that would be phenomenal for <laughs> yeah, you. But... I, I think, I, I think to be honest, I, I just hate oil-rich football clubs, so I would love to see it happen. And nothing um, against Newcastle fans who I... are already feeling very entitled that they're going to be. And by the way, right, we've already manufactured consensus for the Super League. It's going to happen probably before the end of the decade, by my reckoning. All Newcastle have done is bought their ticket. Carry on. <laughs> I will carry on. Um, so I'm looking at that bottom six. I don't see Villa going down. I don't. I, I disagree with you. Um, I don't see Leeds. Um, what if they lose Rafinha? Um, I think the more key thing for Leeds at the moment is that Ailing, Rodrigo, Bamford. Um, yeah, look, Rafinha's really good. We, we, you know, we know that, and he. The, the, the thing is, though, Stu, I don't think Rafinha is the difference between Leeds bottom three and out of bottom three. I think he's the difference between uh, Leeds being yeah. 15th and 
and 12th or something. Um, but uh, yeah, I disagree with that. I think he, if he goes in January, could be the player. I think another another couple of bad injuries at bad times, and they're right in the thick of it. Yeah, and they do have that tight, small squad, um, don't they? You can see how they're missing Bamford um, at the moment, can't you? So um, mm-hmm. you just have this funny feeling that Burnley will get thirty six points. Whether that whether that'll be enough to to keep them up or not, I I don't know. So. I think it's I think it's difficult for um, Norwich in terms of finishing above three other teams, but I like Dean Smith very much, and I have to say, as a Championship YouTuber, it's mm-hmm. it's not good for the Championship. Fulham and Norwich and West Brom bouncing. It would actually be good for the Championship for Norwich to stay up. I think. Um, yeah, as I well. think, do you know what? That's that's an interesting point in terms of the holistic nature of the thing. I, I think, I think just for to to try and bury the narrative about the chasm between the leagues because oh the chasm the, doesn't go away, but it, it doesn't the narrative you know. But also, I think for a club like Norwich who are doing it in a sustainable manner, manner rather than Aston Villa who are spending ridiculous amounts of money, Watford are spending big as well on, on players. I think Norwich City are spending like let's call it affordable amounts on players, albeit that they're buying a few and doing it in a way that's not jeopardising the club in the long term. As Weber said, the 11th most money spent in Europe says a lot. But I think it's been, it's not been like they've just put, like done a Joe Linton, you know, like bought so, same as Bre- You could say the same for Brentford, couldn't you? They've done it. Yeah, no, no, Brent, Brentford are exempt yeah. from this argument. I'd love, if Norwich City don't stay in the division, the team I would most like to stay up is Brentford. Like, because I just, I, I want to see that happen. And, and the overall sort of positivity of the game, I think it would be the best thing. But yeah, um, I, I think that's a really interesting point to end on. Just want to batter through another couple of these questions before we finish. WPK is asking, what do you guys think about Cholis? I've got an answer to this, but you can go first. I'll, I'll plead the fifth. I won't give as good an answer as Stu will, so you take that one. Uh, well, what I would say is, listen to the Hodge on Nodge episode about Christos Cholis, where I spoke to a Greek football journalist who's been watching him since he was a young teenager, he reckons he's got the ability to go to the very top. And a bit like Ben's deferring to me, I defer to him. So, yeah, if anyone's interested in finding a bit more out about Jolis, I would I would recommend that you go and listen to that, that episode. Um, I'll just pick out one more. I think there's one other good question. Yes, uh, Oliver Middleton's asking, is Cook under pressure? Is there discontent? Would you say we're far away from, I mean, how many bad results would it take for this positivity about the style of football, positivity about the overall direction of the club to turn to, is this the right man to get us out of the division? What I think. You, how how for, far away are we from that? Yeah, for, well, look, there's, is Cook under pressure massively, but he was under pressure the second they signed Bursant Salina, George Edmondson, uh, list 10, very good league one. Cha- um, Chaplin as a champion. Players, Chaplin, exact, exactly. Um, so, of course, he's under pressure. Is there discontent? Of course there's discontent. It's football supporters, for God's sake. Is that discontent reasonable or not? I'll let um, I'll let Oliver judge. Um, for the tipping point, see Norwich City, Alex Neal, 17-18. The second they weren't going to make the playoffs, out. Yeah, gone. Yeah, 
fair enough. So uh, I think I, I think, think he gets I think he gets the season. And if like mm-hmm. Alex Neal, it was I mean you'll you, you I mean you know the guy, don't you? You'll tell me. But it was what six five six games from the end of the season, and they weren't going to make it. And it was out out you go. And um, that might have been Stuart Weber's first. Um, was he there then? Might have been his first. Uh, Stuart Weber came in just uh, so Alan Irving guided it through to the end of the season, and Stuart Weber came in and uh, what well, just just it was after Alex Neil though. Okay. Um, so that was the that was the distance there. I've got someone in just about to make me a cup of tea, so oh, I think very that nice seems too. that seems like a natural point at which to end this. I'd be interested to know if anyone has enjoyed either the whole show or dipped in. Of course, you can go back and watch for the very start. If you're listening on the podcast, you can listen to Hodge on Nodge on all your major podcast players. But I want to know what you think of the the lunchtime kickoff, because this is something a bit different that we've tried here, Ben. We keep professing that we're going to do these fortnightly, and I'm hoping that we can get into a bit of a rhythm of doing that. But the, the next one's going to be on your channel, isn't it? It will indeed, yeah, over on the Benjamin Bloom Football um, channel. So if you're a fan of um, Stu's and you're a fan of our interactions, um, even if you subscribe just for those videos, go and hit the subscribe button. However, I do Mm -hmm. talk about Norwich on my channel. We have a show called Dearly Departed, which covers the five teams that I covered in the championship that have most recently been promoted, i.e. Leeds, Villa, Norwich, Watford and Brentford. And you might want to keep an eye on those five, given the conversation (laughs) we had about five minutes ago. Although we had a brilliant dearly departed week. It was amazing. Dean Smith won his first game. Steve Gerrard won his first game. Watford thrashed Manchester United. Brentford drew 3-3. Only Leeds let us down, but they had about 25 players injured, didn't they? So, And they were leading at halftime. It was nearly... The perfect dearly departed week. So go and hit subscribe, Benjamin Bloom Football Channel. Follow me on Twitter, at Benjamin Bloom. You can follow me on Instagram as well, but you're better off following my missus because we just post pictures of our beautiful baby daughter, who's now three months Ah, that's nice, mate. <laughs> that's lovely. That's lovely stuff. I So in terms of my content, you can find me. If you are one of Ben's people that has migrated for the show, then welcome along. Thank you very much for watching. And what I would say is I am about 30 subscribers off the magical 1,000 mark. Oh, anyone get him that up does, there. Anyone that does YouTube knows that that is a very significant milestone. <laughs> so, yes, I would say if you can get us to that point, that would be great. Anyone, get your mum, get your dog, get whoever to get subscribing to Hodgey the Hack. You can find Hodgey the Hack content on all of the socials. That's H-O-D-G-E-Y the Hack, all one word. And, yeah, please subscribe to my stuff. Hodge on Nodge is the only podcast offering right now. But here is an exclusive announcement. I am going to be launching my second podcast on the Hodgie the Hack YouTube channel this very week. So keep your eyes out for that. And there will be more coming before the end of the year, if all if all goes well. So, yes, busy times ahead on my channel. Busy times ahead in your channel as well, Ben. What we've got to look forward to this week? Oh, Christ. Um, Three-game week in the good old championship, which you Norwich fans miss. Um, yes. Don't you? So yeah, we'll be um, we'll be reviewing and previewing the midweek round. We'll be re- previewing tonight and reviewing on um, Thursday. I'll be on Championship Three Six Five as well um, over on the Planet Sport Network tomorrow, um, and then we're straight into the three game weeks. Are horrible, Stu. <laughs> Literally, yeah, I, I'm commentating uh, ESPN exactly. this week, so I, I have. Who are you doing? 
Uh, I'm not sure yet. I've not the game through. Interesting. Um, which is let me know if fun. you end up with Ipswich Rotherham, and I'll. If I end up with the Ipswich game, well, I'm actually, like I might be down there, so I'll, I will buy you an adult beverage if you are. Um, I'm hoping mm. to sneak down there tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I hope you can get away from um, fatherly duties to, to allow you to. And of course, that is that not a negation of my fatherly duties. I, I will do them um, in in correspondence with um, going and watching my football team play. What I would say is, like, you're wearing the right top for it. If you take the Ron Swanson approach to fatherhood... <laughs> He'd just go. <laughs> he would just go, or he would, like, teach them to, I don't know, like, maybe yeah. drive or something <laughs> into the stadium. God knows. Um, aye. Uh, the, the, kid would drive, the kid would drive me down there if I was Ron Swanson. <laughs> I'd just be sitting there smoking a cigar in the passenger seat, wouldn't I? Eating a so steak. Good. Right, eating a steak, good steak. Mm. Um, on which note, obviously vegetarians are welcome on this channel, but um, I <laughs> fancy some meat-based snack for my lunch. That's, very that's nice. I think, the next manoeuvre for me. Um, but yes, everyone, thanks very much for watching. It's been fun doing Behind Enemy Lines. We'll have another one of these for you in the coming weeks. Definitely a bit quicker than the turnaround's been so far, but I don't actually think it's been negative, Ben, because it's been quite good to like, watch the... The evolution of the season happened at key points, and as it you say, it would have been more fun to do one two weeks ago when you were losing all the time and Ipswich were winning. But there you go. That I think that's that's why you um you know you you weren't showing your face, um, Stu, isn't it? But yeah, not, I'll, not, I'll, not hiding, mate. Not hiding. I'll, hiding. I'll make more hey. salacious accusations um on the next show because it's all part of the fun, isn't it? Eh? Salty, salty, and uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, if you actually start winning some games, you might be in a better mood. So we'll, we'll yeah, get, get that get that six 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 um moving. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's a shame they can't yeah. just stay there. You know what I mean? Like that's that's like the. Do you ever look at league tables and think that's the height of averageness, isn't it? Six, 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 four, twenty-five against twenty-five, middle of the table. <laughs> Absolutely that. Um, I'm also sitting like I've got a Slipknot riff playing in my head. As I do <laughs> like excellent. I might even have a shave. That's my promise. I might have a shave. Good. Get, get this grey. You need to have one every day. I tell you. Hmm. Indeed. Right. That's enough talk about beards, enough talk about football. <laughs> Thank you very much for enjoying the, the content, everyone. If you have enjoyed it, then please do share it with people. Let people know about it because that's what makes it worth it for the likes of me and Ben to do this kind of stuff. We'll be back with another Behind Enemy Line soon. We're also going to have some more Hodge on Nodge content for all you Norwich fans out there this week. We're doing a new thing called Hodge on the Spot which is with my mate Ollie Middleton, who asked one of the questions tonight. So keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for the new podcast that I'm going to be launching, where, mm, little teaser, I'm sure Dean Smith's going to come up in that, so there will be something of interest to Norwich fans. But lots to look forward to on Ben's channel, on mine. Thank you very much for watching this, though, and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>